Hello and welcome to Blue Ring Gallery podcast. I'm Leroy Garcia, here today visiting with two of my favorite people, uh, Rick and Shelly Allen. Um, they are glass artists um, in the Northwest. They live in a place called Cedro Woolley. I've been there, it's very beautiful. It's usually nice and rainy and green. Uh, Shelly was telling me that the weather over there is nice and sunny, so that's good. Maybe you're experiencing a little bit of New Mexico over there. <laughs> We're trying to eat as many green chilies as we can. Yeah, I'm growing hatched chilies and they look great. <laughs> really? <laughs> nice. That'll go good with all that crab you're getting out there. In the so thanks for having us, Leroy. We're, we're excited to see the gallery and to see you again. It's oh, thank you. It's been a while. <laughs> uh, yeah, we miss you. Yeah, we miss you too. But hopefully things will get ironed out here and we'll get the traveling back online. So. Yeah. Um, usually on these pad, uh, podcasts, uh, I like people to tell us where you're from. So we'll go start with Rick, and then we'll have Shelly tell us where you're from. Um, what was your first experience with art? It doesn't have to be glass. It could be anything. So think about those questions. Uh, let's start with you, Rick. Well, I'm from, um, I was born in Providence, Rhode Island, grew up in Warwick. It's a little south of Providence. Um, so I'm a New England guy originally. Um, I, uh, you know, it's a nice uh, coastal, coastal New England town. Um, we spend a lot of time on the water out there uh, as kids. And uh, I don't, as a kid, I didn't, you know, art was just not something I even thought about really, except for, you know, cool uh, way that uh, action figures and models were designed. That was interesting to me, but uh I didn't really kind of engage with art, even though I was kind of a doodler all the time as a kid, as a uh, artist. I mean, as a, as a young guy, not even thinking about being an artist, I just doodled on everything, um, anything but to do homework or pay attention in class really. But um, I, uh, it wasn't until I got into college that I was studying anthropology and was taking, um, I took some art classes, took some, I did some drawing, I did some uh, uh, ceramics, and I really, well, I just, I was originally just blown away that you could make something and get to keep it. And it was just this, I don't know, having this object that was beautiful and then start designing objects. It just, it was a revelation that I could actually had the power and the independence to do that kind of thing. Um, there was a little glass shop across the uh, street from the shop that, uh, where the ceramic studio was. And so I watched a lot of glass blowers, I had glass blower friends. And so, that kind of started me on the, the journey of, you know, being introduced to art as professional artist. When I moved back to Rhode Island after school, I, I just happened to start working for artists. Um, I wanted to do be a ceramicist and uh, just my first glimpse of like professional artists living a life, making art and being artists, um, you know, working with uh, Michael Shiner and Dan Clayman, um, and Jim Watkins, uh, all lovely people and all doing very different, cool, interesting things. And so that was that's sort of the beginning of the, you know, eyeing the world of art and then being introduced to the, the larger world of art and what that entailed and what was good and what was interesting to me. Mm, nice. Now, Shelly, you go. Let's see what you have. <laughs> well, I was born in Flin Flon, Manitoba, Canada, which is... Uh, um, 
a town founded by a science fiction character named Flintabati Flanatin. And it is in the north of Manitoba. So it's up in the tundra. Uh, so it was barren rock. Um, I was a mining town. So there really wasn't much there to do. So I think it was really good for building imagination. Um, we played on the rocks and on the railroad tracks. Um, one of my first, I have a really specific memory of the first time that I made something. Um, it was during that time and I was watching cartoons and I think it was like the Bugs Bunny and the Roadrunner or something like that. I remember being so, um, like I was so excited by these characters I was watching on TV that I tried to to draw one and I drew it on a piece of paper and I thought, oh, that's not the way it looks. So I looked around and found a piece of plastic. I don't know what my mom had a piece of packaging or something. And I took my crayons and I drew and held it out to the light. And I thought, wow, that looks more like the cartoons I'm watching. Um, and I think I must've been only about four years old. I was really young because it was really rudimentary. Um, and I still have that. I, I kept oh, it nice. and I just remember specifically being yeah, I'm just so excited that I could make something that looked like something that I really enjoyed looking at. Um, and uh, I think also when I think back to that, I think that might have led me into um, finding glass and then finding that that's the medium that that um, is most satisfying to use. Um, and then after that, I, you know, I, I drew and I painted uh, for most of my childhood, teenhood. Uh, went to Emily Carr College of Art in Vancouver and graduated with painting, um, oil painting and intaglio. And uh, after that, I just was pretty unsatisfied with just painting. I found I started doing these really large paintings because I wanted to work more physically and become completely absorbed with what I was doing. Um, you know, and if I, if I painted large, my whole peripheral was covered with the work I was doing. So I found that um, was what I really needed to do. Um, and a friend saw my paintings and said, hey, you should work in glass, <laughs> which seemed such a strange thing to me because um, I had no idea. I just thought that glass was, you know, functional, like you make bowls or perfume bottles, things like that. But uh, she handed me a, ca a catalog to Pilchuck. And, um, and that's, I think, I think that's what we're going to explore next. But before that, I, I want to say the, the first time I, uh, I went to your studio, I saw, uh, what, what Rick was inspired by because some of his first forms were ceramic forms, but in glass, right. Where they like squished and manipulated a little bit. They're, they're really cool. And then the, the first time I, I had Shelly show here, uh, it wasn't just glass. It was these big, beautiful panels of, of horse paintings. And somebody likes horses for some reason. I don't know why you're not getting into that too. But okay, so let's talk about where your journeys converged. And you, you mentioned the catalog of Pilchuk. Is this the first moment you met Rick? Yeah, yeah. We, um, I applied to go there and I still went there not knowing what the heck I was going there for. Um, but the second I walked into the campus, it was... Uh, pretty apparent. I saw people working with glass in a way I'd never seen before. And uh, I, I couldn't take my eyes off of it. And then this is where Rick was, uh, was there during the session I was there. I was as a student and Rick was a teaching assistant. I guess you could say he stood out. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I say that because uh, how, how tall are you, Rick? I'm six foot eight. Six foot eight. Yeah. And, uh, and Shelly? What's your height? I'm five foot two. So. I know, there's a great couple right there. 
Oh, that's good. So, so you met Rick over there and um, tell me about the, the journey of, of all the, the whole, the whole deal from there, um, from there to the William Morris and then into your own creations and your own careers. Rick. <laughs> yeah. So when I, I moved out, um, out to uh, the West coast and uh, found myself at Tolchuk um, after uh, being invited to be on staff. And um, uh, so I was, I was a uh, coordinator for the residency program. And uh, in the winter time, uh, William Morris works there. What basically was his whole studio was the campus. And um, uh, it was very fortunate for me that, um, you know, they need a little extra hand. I got to work with uh, the crew. I did, I, I was cold working for him and uh, doing a lot of finish work and uh, whatnot. So, so, so Rick, explain to us really quick what cold working is, because a lot of our audience have no idea about what you just said. Yeah, so, so cold working is basically the, um, it's, it's the machining of glass. So it's uh, cutting, grinding, uh, polishing, carving, engraving, all that kind of work where you're, you're, the glass is cold or room temperature and you're uh, cutting it with often diamond tools or silicon carbide. Uh, in the case for Billy, I was, you know, the, the pieces, a lot of these pieces like Charlie's piece behind us here would have a, you know, plenty on there. It was extra glass that needed to be removed before it was finished. And so I would finish the pieces uh, and acid etch them and get them ready for the, to be shown. Um, and that evolved into uh, my doing a lot of engraving work for William Morris, which was ended up being the real fun stuff. Hmm. Uh, so I did a lot of creative work on the work, which was great. Um, one of the things that was really a, a, one of the big pluses working with Billy is, you know, we had a great team, very supportive team. Um, and we got, Bill was very generous about giving us extra time in the shop. So on the weekends, uh, you know, every Friday, uh, I would, you know, myself and uh, uh, Randy Walker would split the day or Ross Richmond, we'd split the day and, and help each other out making our own work. So we got every week, uh, we're in a routine of making our own work. And uh, that was great. That was really important. Um, and it was just like, everyone was so skilled that we could just, you know, such we're all working for one another, we can kind of do whatever we wanted to. And and that was a lot of, there was no pressure really. We weren't making work just to show it. We we're just making work because we we're interested in stuff. And that's how I got started. You know, it's like, hey, what happens if you blow into a bunch of wood, you know? And it's like, wow, that's cool. Let's, let's see where we can go with that. And, uh, you know, my sketchbooks were filled to the brim. And uh, so I got to, every weekend, got to, to play in the studio. So that was, a, that was an important, essential part to my. Cool. Well, let's, uh, let's have Shelly talk about her experience on from Pilchuck to William Morris too, and your contributions on that team. And then um, the next question you can be thinking about this is, let's talk about the community of glass and how, how glass is made. It's, I mean, Shelly, you're a great artist and so is Rick, but you always have teams, right? And we'll talk about that. So let's start with Shelly and the, her, her journey uh, through Pilchuck and then to William Morris. Um, well, I, I went to Pilchuck the first time as a student, and after three weeks of blowing glass there, I went back to Vancouver, and I tried to find more classes because I was just so, I, I was just completely obsessed, um, and I was practicing turning the pipe with my broom. Um, it was just ridiculous, and <laughs> in Vancouver, there was no uh, classes that I could take. 
I even like begged the one studio of glass blowers. Like I literally begged them, um, offered to pay them anything. And they still said, no, we're too busy. We're getting ready for our shows. So they couldn't. Uh, so my art alternative was driving down to Seattle to take lessons at the Pratt Fine Arts Center. So that's what I started doing uh, two times a week, driving from, I'd work in Vancouver as a graphic designer, get in my car, middle of the afternoon, drive to Seattle, take a three hour glass blowing class and then drive home that night. Um, so it was just insane. It was six hours of driving and um, yeah, but I was full and I was in my twenties, so it didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of energy, huh? <laughs> but, um, and then during this time, I was taking really basic classes, like, you know, just learning, to, learning hand skills. Um, and, uh, and then, um, Rick <laughs> called me one day and he said, um, hey, Randy and I are working in the hot shop. Uh, we're working for Bill and I've moved here and um, I need an assistant tomorrow morning. Can you make it down here to, uh, to work with us? And uh, I just had no hesitation. I canceled my whole day for the next day and just drove down there at five in the morning to to work with him. Best phone call I've ever made. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> no guts, no glory there, Rick. <laughs> I, I was so excited. One, that I got to work in glass as an assistant, which was just, you know, my dream to learn more. And then plus, Rick was such a nice guy. Um, even though I had only met him for a couple of weeks at Pilchuck, um, I just felt like he was already a near and dear friend. So, um, so yeah, it felt like a win-win for me too. Nice, nice. And so that was your transition into the uh, William Morris team? My, my transition to William Morris, um, it actually happened once Rick and I were married. I was working with Karen Willenbrink Johnson, who you guys actually yeah. used to her work last year. And uh, she was wonderful to work with. And I learned so much about sculpting. And she was uh, one of Bill's like firsthand uh, people in the hot shop. Um, and Bill got a really big project and uh, he knew I was there working with Karen so and that I was married and living in the area with Rick so he asked if um, I could come in and help to uh, help uh, create they were making how do you remember how many it was like thousands of really tiny sculptures panels. for these wall panels for a museum oh, I know for, what you're talking about mm -hmm. Uh, and it was a really spectacular project and the pieces ended up being just incredible. But so I was hired on for that. Uh, Bill often actually asked for my advice on, on colors and how to make pieces more painterly, which I felt really quite honored that he would because uh, at that point I didn't know too much about glass blowing, but I, I felt that that was one of his strongest points is that he looked for, um, he looked to his assistants for where uh, their strengths lay and then he would uh, ask and be very humble about asking too, which um, I still feel really um, uh, grateful for him giving me the confidence uh, with my color use. Um, so, uh, and, and then other than that, I was, a, I was an extra set of hands running bits, um, you know, just, just helping to facilitate his work. Well, he, he, he was kind of mixed media too. And I bet you that's, well, did you learn the skills from Karen and him? Like uh, when, when I first met you, you were uh, using some type of fabric to tie the legs of the horses and hook them into the body, right? Yeah. yeah and that is something I always beaded and I was very like 
you know, did a lot of crafts uh, when I was younger. And that was something that I actually started working on prior to seeing Bill. Like it was almost um, synchronicity um, that I was beading small parts together and then he uh, started using beads. He, he hadn't seen what I was doing and I didn't see what he was doing. It was just kind of just the, you know, that, that serendipity, I guess is a better word. Mm-hmm. Well, from my uh, perspective and, and listening to your histories, uh, I, I think those years of uh, Pilchuck and uh, working for Billy uh, helped, especially the experimentation parts, right? Like Rick's over there blowing stuff into the wood and, you know, that's, that's great. That's where it all, that's where it all uh, happens. But um, the cold working and all the experimentations with, were you experimenting with the frit and the colors with her as well after the engravings? Um, or were you mixing that stuff together in that, in that team? Like yeah. where did you learn all this, te- the textures? I mean, it, cause some of those textures look familiar. Um, yeah. Well, as far as the, like what I'd like, to, I mean, I've, my degree was in anthropology and uh, my, um, aesthetic was more kind of natural form. I've never been really uh, a, a shiny glass kind of guy. Um, and so with Bill, uh, they used, he used a lot of techniques to with powders and scavo, which scavo is this compound you put on the glass while it's hot and it chews away at the surface. It basically eats, erodes the glass. And, um, and once you anneal it, it stops eroding, but it, um, it's had a nice earthy texture. So that stuff I was really drawn to uh, and blown into wood, you know, getting all the kind of char on the wood, uh, getting the, the impression of the charred wood in the glass. I, I really found it really spoke to me. So that definitely, I, there was so much I learned from uh, Bill and the team about what I could do to get that stuff. Of course, we had all the crazy tools around for sculpting. Um, I mean, with Bill and the team, uh, it's there's a, like a it's it, there was almost this unique school of thought of of sculpting that came out of the Bill Morris team. I mean, Karen Willenbrink uh, is was a is a phenomenal uh, artist who could make. I mean, she was teaching Bill things that so she because she was just in there all the time, like seven days a week, kind of figuring out these techniques, and as well as Ross. And so we and we all kind of were figuring out stuff. So it was sort of a um, collaborative in in that way sort of just like exploring uh stuff and we're just we're all like you know we're trying to figure out how to get billy's piece to a uh, you know bill is trying to get to a certain place we it was all hands on deck and we're all trying to figure it out so we all that stuff crossed over into our own work yeah and i i, I just love the journey i did that's the best education you could have <laughs> you know the, the the ability to experiment and uh progress um so we're going to talk about, uh, well, talk a little bit, well, we did a little bit on, on how glass is made. It's not, it's not just a person, it's a collective. And sometimes what I really loved about William Morris was his ability to create a team and, and use everybody's knowledge and interact it and then figure it out. So that, that sets up the foundation for you guys going on your own ends, because I think uh, William Morris, he retired when he was about 55 or so years old and stopped producing glass. And, and how long ago was that? Was that about 10 years, 12 uh, years? Uh, 2007. 20, 2007. So at 207, you probably had a line of like, oh, time for myself to grow. Um, and, and that's about the time I met you guys both at Sofa, Chicago. And uh, I was really loved her work. And I, she was doing little elephants and 
little uh, carnival pieces. I was like, man, that's some cool stuff. Is it great? Um, and then I was introduced to the Rocket Man over here and uh, the the mad scientist of them all. Um, I, I look at you more as an engineer, Rick, in a sense, because you're you you have your sketchbooks, but you're always tinkering with stuff. You go into your shop, you have 50 million things in front of you, <laughs> trying to figure out how you're going to make something happen. So tell me about your your journey into the subject matter that you create that's specific to you. Um, well, I, I am kind of, I, I, I do like, pro, I'm a problem solver. I like fixing things and figuring out how to get there. I have a lot of interest. So I try to, you know, once my interest uh, hones in on one area, I kind of follow through to get to get, get somewhere. And with the artwork, um, at a certain point, I'm probably about uh, around 2000, I uh, started making just for fun. I made, I think I made a uh, rocket ship for my nephew, uh, who was very young at the time, uh, made a rocket ship and put neon in it. And, you know, and put a little like uh, neon flames coming out the back. It was a blown glass thing they mounted on the wall. And that was, that was like, it was just like a, a fun thing for my nephew, you know? And, uh, and I just, uh, I, I, you know, it's like a little trying to figure out how, you know, where I fit in the art world and what I want to make. And, uh, I just started for, as just something I was interested in because I have a sci-fi interest and a sci-fi sort of aesthetic with a lot of things and just had this kind of old uh, Jules Verne sort of thing that I kind of just came out naturally out of me. I started making these little rockets that were semi-functional. They had a little, the, the capsule came off and it was like this know, cookie jar or whatever. And I was like, these things are just badass, you know, and just kept making more and more complicated. And I was like, you know, I, I don't know why I've, thinking about these things as functional. They're cool, they're interesting objects sculpturally. So that was 20 years ago uh, and just started, uh, you know, it's like went from fun rockets to uh, pieces that had, um, you know, they were both metal and glass. We were, you know, Jeremy Bosworth, who I've been working with for over 20 years, uh, who's works with me and he's, he's just brilliant problem solvers. Well, I was a kid that he's OCD, um, um, you know, ADD. And so we're kind of a nice combination where he can, uh, I can bounce around the studio and he can focus on one thing. And so the two of us have over the years have feel like figured out a lot of techniques and uh, jigs and whatnot. And um, so we, we combine metal, whether it's just fabricated steel or stainless steel, we'll cast steel or cast aluminum cast metals, cast glass, uh, do whatever it takes. And then we kind of just, it's also part of like extending from the Bill Morris days and sort of uh, is the, the, the idea that you can take, it doesn't have to, a blown glass thing doesn't have to be uh, the end of it. You can cut it apart and make the, take the parts and put it onto other things or cut it up and make it into tiles or, in, or, or wire things on or glue things on or, or um, or whatever. Um, and so that was very freeing. So we just like, you know, it could be any material uh, that we are interested in. And so we started playing around with that and just started building interiors. The interior thing became a whole uh, new thing to me. It, was, it continues to be very exciting to make um, some beautiful interior, especially the simple little chair uh, that was revolutionary. Little red chair? Little red chairs. It's mm -hmm. Uh, awesome you know and i still i still love i love one of my favorite things in the world to do is make the chair um so that's uh i remember my daughter's coming up to me and like well 
how do you drive this thing? There's just a red chair. And I go, you have to use <laughs> your brains, you know? <laughs> and they're like, oh, <laughs> kind of stumped them a little bit. But it, what a great um, little flair to put in there too, right? But it makes you think about technology and, and things of that nature. And so let's talk a little bit about Shelly. Um, Shelly, you've been very creative in kind of the same ways. And um, I, I like the, the, diversity, the diversity of your mediums because you're, you're integrating all kinds of things like he's talking about, but in different ways. Explain to us what those ways are, how, what you integrate in your work and what inspires you uh, to diversify within the mediums. Uh, I guess the, the diversification in the mediums is a need to enhance each medium to its kind of utmost. Like I think that glass looks better if it's beside another medium, it really enhances the quality of glass. Um, I also love textures, which is a lot of the reason why I use horsehair and rock, uh, why my glass has layers and layers of powder on it to create the overall pattern and, and depth of the piece. Um, I guess in a way that uh, I feel like I'm, because I come from a, a 2D background, <laughs> um, I'm creating three-dimensional paintings in a way. So I like to um, incorporate a lot of things from around me to put into the one piece, like create a, a vignette in a way, um, have, a, have a rocky base, uh, you know, a, creature that's in motion, um, something like telling a story, but not being too literal with it, um, providing an experience for the viewer that's tactile and visual and maybe um, emotional and might invoke some kind of a, a memory uh, to them. Um, the process is, has come out of strictly experimentation also. Uh, I Every time I make a piece, I don't want to rely on a recipe. Um, I'll write some color patterns down only because I have to create other parts the same to attach to it. But that's the only reason. I don't go back to those patterns. Uh, I just want everything to be, um, although I'm, I'm planned because in the hot shop you have to be somewhat planned so you don't waste time, you don't waste moves. Um, I like to be more spontaneous with the work. So it comes from a a different, um, I guess it just comes more from inside of me. It's just more of a, a spontaneous um, expression. Mm -hmm. um, another, another question for both of you, because you both have worked in collaborative ways with other artists. Um, I know Shelly, you did, you did a collaboration with Tammy Garcia, and uh, currently you have something brewing uh, with Angela Sweetberg. Yep. Can you tell us a little bit about the Angela Sweetberg project? Yeah, um, well, Angela, uh, she comes from a background of doing um, historical um, restoration uh, of Native American um, culture. So that goes right across the board from um, uh, garments to um, some ceramics to uh, horse gear is what we're focusing on. Um, and she's incredible. She, she uh, you know, uses thousands of the tiny seed beads and, and a lot of other materials to create these works or to repair these works. Um, and she finds vintage materials so that uh, the pieces remain authentic too. Uh, and she does a lot of work throughout uh, museums through uh, nationally. Um, and we met at Pilchuck also, uh, which was really, really once again, mm -hmm. uh, 
And um, I had this white horse head. Uh, Angela really wanted to have glass pieces made so she could do some beadwork um, to enhance them. And I had this white glass horse head that just didn't seem finished to me. Uh, so I ended up passing it to her and she made this beautiful uh, bridal and uh, well, which you guys probably remember, you showed it in your gallery. Um, yeah. felt it was a, a really great success. And in our minds, we always, and we'd say to each other that we'd like to work together again. Um, and then Denise called us a few months ago and asked if we could make that happen. So- um, I've, seen, I've seen one piece so far, it's beautiful. Oh, thank you. It's nice. It was a great collaboration. I, I just, you know, I, I think um, a lot of our Native American art collectors in August are going to be thrilled um, to see that convergence. Um, let's go to another subject. I know I, I'm going to pass uh, Rick up on the collaboration because I want to, I have a specific question for you. Uh, give me two of your most, um, what's the word, funnest uh, pieces you've made for people. You can, I, we won't say names, but maybe you can describe a couple projects you did. Yeah, I had a, I've had some great commissions. Um, uh, probably my, one of my most fun pieces to make is, uh, I don't do a lot of kinetic work, but I have a lot of interest in it. And uh, I was asked to make a piece uh, for a um, install in a home that had a, um, uh, a stair landing and had these two alcoves, these niches that they wanted to uh, put a couple pieces in. And one of the niches was they were building in a, um, it was a false door that went into the, you know, it's like a secret door, it went into the library. And they just like, they said secret door. I was like, whatever that is, I want to do something. <laughs> so, so I made a, um, so I decided to go all out and I made a, a rocket ship that had a, interior with a uh, chair, a um, uh, these kind of orb, it was basically an orrery, uh, these, these little planets with moons around them and rings. And and so when you uh, figured out where the secret button was, which was the uh, hatch, the portal, you push that in there, activated this whole mechanism. And so the, the planets and moons would, would orbit around the chair, the chair would rotate, these rings were spinning. It was very, uh, very cool. And when the chair rotated around and faced the wall, the wall would pop free, and it was the entranceway to this this library, which was killer. And it worked out great. Um, I was very nervous that they had five very young boys in the house. Um, <laughs> I built it as uh, burly as I could, but uh, apparently it, it it held up, so it was fantastic. Well, but, that's good. <laughs> okay, and tell me. Um, the largest piece that you ever made and how did, how did you construct that? Uh, the largest piece I made uh, is a 15 foot tall rocket ship that I was, um, uh, I had a show at the Museum of Northwest Art in uh, Lacana, Washington. And they had this beautiful, uh, they, they do have this beautiful um, uh, um, round rotundra as you walk into the main gallery. And there's a skylight above there. And I always wanted to do something for that. And so I decided to make this, you know, really huge rocket. Um, it, you know, it was too big to make out of glass, but I, I made it mostly out of steel. Um, you know, basically sliced down. Uh, Jeremy and I worked quite hard on that. And we, we made the, the legs out of like I-beams. We cut down and re-welded and 
made basically like to get the sort of feeling of the transparency of glass and have, being able to have an interior, I did a uh, metal mesh um, a perforated uh, exterior. So you can see it was transparent, translucent. So you can see inside and it made a big seven foot uh, telescope that protruded from the, through the uh, exterior of the rocket toward up into the skylight. Um, and it has a, uh, there's the, and a, and a, was a small, but actually almost about yay big chair at the bottom of that. And that was, it was super fun to make. Uh, it was lovely. Oh, I remember was, seeing it. It was, it was, <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> That's the biggest rocket ship I ever seen Rick make. Yeah. And it's in a beautiful, it's an incredibly beautiful space now. So I'm thrilled. It was really <laughs> Well, both of you have had such a wonderful journey. Um, and we are honored and grateful that you have shown with Blue Rain over the years. Uh, been great relationship. Uh, I'd like to thank you guys for participating in our podcast today. Um, I'd like to encourage everybody to uh, subscribe to our podcast uh, on uh, YouTube or iTunes or all the platforms, including uh, BlueRainGallery.com um, under podcasts. Uh, one other thing we'd like to invite everybody to do is visit our print shop, BlueRainPrintShop.com for nice interactive art pieces on things you can use every day. In any case, thanks for coming, you guys, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.